Hey guys, it's uh, Andy here in another episode of the Mountain Malarkey Podcast with Dave. Hello everybody. Hey guys, how you doing? Um, yeah, another Tuesday tune-in. Um, if you just joined us, do say hello. I can see a, a couple of people join us. Hey Kim, hey Miko. Um, yeah, let us know you're on. Do give us a good thumbs up. Big 10, whatever you want to say. Uh, hey, Shona. Hey, James. Mark. Great to have you all on, guys. Uh, as always, on this uh, beautiful, sunny Tuesday. Oh, it's marvellous. Um, it's marvellous, isn't it? It's beautiful today. I think um, well, we've got some dodgy weather on the way, but let's make, let's make the most of it, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, Bry. Hey, Tina. Shane. Julie. Great to see loads on the live, as always. Um, but right, Dave, what's today about, mate? Well... Today, we thought it's been requested for a long time by at least one person, um, probably for a lot of you as well. We're going to talk about peak. So we're going to do a deep dive to high altitude. Um, and yeah, talk about all the, all the different peaks that we do um, and answer some of like the most answered, uh, most asked questions about those peaks, you know. So probably what boots do I need for Island Peak? You know, we'll cover that one. Yeah. Um, how much experience do you need to go to Mera? We'll answer that one. Um, and, you know, the, the, the differences between the stuff that we do, like Aconcagua, is sort of on the radar. We're going to be uh, uh, hopefully, you know, sending some Evertrackers there soon. So we think it's a good thing to talk about. But yeah, yeah peaks, mate. Peaks, peaks, peaks. Peaks, peaks. Peaky climbers. Are you a peaky climber? I, I, I kind of think we swiped and deployed that from um, one of our Evertrackers who set up another group called the Peaky Climbers. But uh, <laughs> I forgot who that was. It might even be Ramona, but I know she's not on here today. But um, yeah, anyway, great to see so many on. Um, yeah, Haley, Kathy, Jim. Paula, Jim again, Mark, Andy, Sital, Stephen, Lee, Mick. Mick, I knew he joined today because, yeah. you know, this is for you, Mick. I know you uh, – we, we don't do so much stuff about Island Peak, do we? But, um, yeah, definitely we wanted to uh, <laughs> we wanted to make sure that we we cover the peaks for you guys because, you know, it's um, we're getting more and more people now on on the, the trips. Yeah. Um, you know, we're getting sort of bigger groups. We, not huge groups, but because of the type of trips they are, but they're definitely becoming more popular um you know in terms of mera island you know you've got the uh, soon to be released as dave mentioned last week which is the ecuadorian volcanoes the ring of fire trek we're really excited about that so yeah, yeah we thought it's, it's only best we'll talk about that this week it's a great subject heaps of stuff to cover um but yeah seeing the app jim um big greens all around for me ever trek community about the new app what, what are you talking about mate what, what's this mm. <laughs> um no no it's uh look it was really really great to see loads of you share um, you know, your pictures of the, the app and, um, you know, it's been a lot going on behind the scenes about that for a while. So, yeah, um, we're really, um, really happy that you enjoy it, guys. Uh, keep keep going. <clears throat> now, we're rolling that out um, over the next uh, sort of month, if you like, because there's a lot of trips that we've got to create. Yeah. Uh, we wish it was a nice, easy process. But we try to we, – <clears throat> we've got most of Everest Base Camp done up until the end of 2022. Um, uh, but our Bimbo and the is working hard. Uh, and we'll, we'll definitely be rolling out the rest of your trips. So, yeah, if you haven't had it yet, um, you're saying, what's this app? What is that? Do wait. Um, you know, we'll send you an email and, uh, you know, you can um, you can have all the info that you need then uh, yeah. you know, for your trip. And it's quite cool as well. And, you know, it's got some funky little features on it. <clears throat> Personally, I quite like the the map. Um, it's really cool just to sort of see your journey where you go in. You can zoom in and find out where the pubs are um, if you want. Uh, you can see where all the historical sites, where the mountains are, obviously um but yeah we're really excited about it and um, yeah cheers for your your feedback on it as well and i appreciate 
uh, obviously the rest of you haven't had it yet. Just a little bit of patience. It won't be long. Uh, we're rolling that out uh, as soon as we can. Yeah. Um, but right, Dave, we'll, we'll crack on into it then. I mean, let's start off with uh, the Nepalese peaks, I think. Um, you know, I think it's fair, like Island Peak, Mera Peak, uh, Lobuche, uh, which is kind of a, I'd say new and not new for us because we've always done, we never like to say no. And if you want to climb a peak, just give us a bell. Lobuche yeah. is the one that we do regularly, but it's still what we'd say is a new peak for us in terms of we haven't run many trips there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And as always, guys, any questions at all around anything that we're covering today, put them in the comments just so we can do. Uh, we can answer your questions. I've seen a couple already. We've had a few from before. Um, just so we make sure we get your uh, your questions answered, as always. So, Dave, um, Island Island Peak, Mara Peak, Lobuche, I kind of I know they're in a similar region. I know that Lobuche and Island Peak are in the Everest region. Mara Peak slightly different, not a million miles away. But. Trekking peaks, this wonderful yeah. class of mountain that's called trekking peaks, right? Yeah, exactly. So trekking peak is like um, it's almost like a colloquial term for a type of mountain. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to walk to the top. Um, what it means is that it requires. Um, what it generally means is that it requires a lot less technical skill than yeah. say uh, Ama de Blam, which you need to be able to climb sort of mixed rock and ice conditions, ice axe and stuff like that. This yeah. generally doesn't really require a lot of technical knowledge. You don't have to be a skilled mountain climber to get to the top. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not challenging in its own right. Probably the most popular peak to climb in the Everest region that isn't Everest is probably Island Peak. It's yeah. used for acclimatization for people going on to higher peaks. It draws its own sort of um, climbers as well. And it's the one that we certainly send the most people to the top of. Um, and it's actually getting a little bit tricky, Island Peak, because it's so, yeah. was, it, was it 6189, I think, um, in terms of altitude? Uh, 6189 meters, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's really good. I mean, we've combined it with the Everest Base Camp trip as well. Yeah. So you get to do a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, so it's one of those that's supremely popular, but it's becoming, I don't know, it's climate change in recent years has had like an even greater effect, but because it's glaciated, it does have large crevasses that need to be crossed and certain walls that need to be climbed. Um, so it is actually a really good sort of experiential trip if you're interested in maybe going to the summit of Everest, because you've seen people crossing the ladders in the Kumbu Icefall. Yeah. You have to do the same thing on Island Peak in order to gain uh, access to the summit. So yeah, yeah. it's one of those things where it's like, wow, that's what's kind of cool and kind of like frightening at the same time. Um, but yeah, love it. And yeah. I think what you, you hit a good point there, Dave, because you mentioned around Island Peak, around the crevasses. <clears throat> and over the last two years, uh, there's one crevasse in particular um, which is, and I think uh, James, uh, who's on here, um, I think was was on the trip back in 2019, I believe. Um, I believe so. Anyway, <laughs> remind me, James. Um, obviously, times a lot's happened in the in between. But yeah. I remember that um, seeing some of the pictures come from our last expedition there, um, which was unfortunately not successful. We, I mean, was successful in terms of everyone was safe, you know, all good. But it was really bad weather on the last summit push we had. We were the highest team on the mountain um you know but it was literally a whiteout conditions uh windy and i think about eight or nine teams on the mountain um we were we were the highest but unfortunately uh no one summited that day um yeah. you know which which says it all really and i think james um i don't know type how it was mate i mean i know you're on in the comments now um so it'd be cool wouldn't it to sort of invite the videos on it'd be cool if it was that interactive but let us know how it was i know i remember seeing some of your pics jim and 
Um, yeah, look tough conditions, and obviously I know your guide made the right call in the end because it was challenging. Yeah, but, uh, you know the moment's ready and waiting for when you want to go back, mate. Um, and the same to everyone else. But yeah, I, I, it certainly has changed over the last couple of years with Island Peak. Um, yeah. It's still class the trekking peak, and yeah, um, and it's trekking peak as Dave said. There gives it a little bit of a. Um, it sounds easier, doesn't it? Because it's just a trekking peak. But essentially, um, that's what they're sort of colloquially known as. Yeah, exactly. um, and yeah, um, sorry, mate, go on. Andy's done a Andy's done a really good uh, comment here. Andy McNaughton Jones, he says, "Trekking peak equals no dangling from ropes." So yeah, pretty good, (laughs) pretty good way of pretty good way of coming it up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, It it is with Island Peak, especially you've probably got uh, it's about 125 meters, uh, sort of, which is you're on fixed ropes. So that means that each person's sort of tethered together, if you like. Um, It's classic, um, sort of, uh, we classic fixed rope ropes between individuals and your guide um which is classic sort of uh, winter mountaineering if you like if you've ever done any winter mountaineering um you know that's that's kind of the way and you know for safety although it does feel a bit weird you know being tethered to other people but um you know it's because of where you are and you know then if if anything happens uh you can obviously do a bit of self-arrest now with with island peak we always say it's handy when we're talking about experience you know what who who can climb island peak who's it for because we do get asked that, you know, have I got an experience to climb Island Peak or Mera Peak? Yeah. And, um, you know, we, we've certainly, I mean, right out the bat, we've we've had people who haven't been to altitude before, don't really climb mountains. And um, we've had some successful summits from those people, you know, and that works um, because we do, uh, you know, some of the training on the trip itself. Um, it's like a half day where we walk you through, um, you know, how to use crampons, how to use ice axe. Yeah. Um, when you're on the fixed ropes, this is in country now in Nepal. But, you know, we always say that, if you've got a bit of experience, it will help because you haven't got to think about that. You already kind of naturally do it. And anything yeah. that you do naturally means that you can think about all the other stuff you have to do, yeah. uh, whether that's using walking on crampons, whether that's using your ice axe, even if it's around, you know, how to self-arrest. So if you slip, essentially, how do you use the ice axe to stop yourself from slipping? So it's always handy, um, uh, you know, in terms of, of that. And if you do any winter skills, um, you know, when we, we do... Typically, we, we had some winter skills we were running this winter. Obviously, because of good old good old friend COVID, um, we're going to be doing next winter in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I know the dates, um, the dates, uh, the exact dates aren't up yet. We, we need to work with AIM Hire on getting those dates up um, uh, just to make sure there's availability um, for you guys. But as soon as that is, uh, that's all ready to go. We'll put those dates and we can rebook you guys on who are booked in to do winter skills. Um, normally, winter skills... I mean, I know most most of you guys are from the UK here. Obviously, there's a few people who, who are from uh, other countries, um, as always. Even Yessi, Yessi, uh, Jumbo, I hope all is well. Yessi is one of oh, our yeah, Jumbo, guys Yessi. on Chile. Um, yeah, great guy. We had the pleasure of trekking with him uh, just over a year ago now on Chile before COVID, and um, absolutely fantastic yeah. guide. And Chile, and, and, and he ran a marathon. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. over four summits, and he ran a marathon day after. Yeah, he's done. Uh, yeah, literally, we got down from. Uh, Kilimanjaro and you know ran for the bar ran for the sharer and he ran for his running shoes and ran the uh, ran a marathon <laughs> yeah. and um, over 400 summits of Kilimanjaro he's um yeah. yeah an incredibly good guide incredibly good um yeah talking about some of the stuff you need there as well for Island Peak yes I know that some people are going to have some kit questions as well um yeah are so, we guys yeah so all of just just as a snapshot one of the questions that we get quite a lot is about renting the equipment that you need for Island Peak so 
that when we talk about renting, you, you can rent the you can rent the whole shebang. So you can turn up in your trekking equipment, all the same stuff that you need for um, you know every space camp trek, hiking boots, all that sort of stuff is great. Um, and then you can rent everything else you need locally from Chukung, um, just up from Dingboche near Island Peak Base Camp. And it's around a hundred dollars for the full setup. So we're talking like harness, helmet, uh, ice axe, crampons, ascenders, jumas, carabiners, that type of thing. Um, to be honest, I always think that it's better to bring your own climbing boots as well. Yeah. It does take up a bit of space. It does take up a bit of weight. So you are going to have to make some sacrifices in other areas of your kit. But I think the boots are always one of the things that I, I can put a jacket on and it's just a jacket, right? I can yeah. put a hat on and it's just a hat. But the we only have about this much, you know, connecting us to the ground. And I like those that part of my uh, equipment to be as familiar yeah. as possible. So having boots that you've worn in that fit your feet, that don't rub, don't chew your feet up, and that you're familiar with um, really makes a big difference. Um, that being said, a B2 boot, um, which is what we recommend, are not that cheap, really. You're looking at at least a couple hundred quid investment. But yeah. if you're the type of guy that wants to climb Island Peak, um, you're going to want to do other things as well, particularly winter mountain, even in the UK, and they, they become very, very valuable then. Yeah, definitely. No, I've, you're right with the boots. I mean, it's the one, you know, it's, it's the one pair of one item I'd say that is, is you know, so important. Um, you know, but if they are, they are a big investment uh, when you know, when you're climbing a peak like Island Peak, um, especially if you're looking at a B two, which means you know, it's suitable, it's rigid enough for a um, sort of semi flexible crampon, if you like. Yeah. Um, that being said, you you, know, you can. Um, I think Dave, we were. With regards to the costs, because uh, a question we had before was, you know, how much does it cost to hire the gear? Yeah. Um, in Shukung, and, and how much was that, Dave? So it's a hundred hundred US dollars um, yeah. from Shukung. So that's basically Shukung is like just up from Dingboche, sort of a few hours walk up the valley, um, yeah. and they have a big store there, which is purpose built for support in the climbers of Island Peak. Um, so yeah, and you literally just pay the guy $100 and they'll equip you with everything you need. Your climbing guide will be there as well to guide you. So it's not like you have to know everything. Yeah. They will sort it all out for you and you know show you how to use it all. I just noticed Jerome said I should be called the Kit Yeti. Unfortunately, that rhymes with something else. And I think most people actually, <laughs> actually call me something else. But um, Brilliant. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's the part of the trip that I'm most fascinated with a lot of the time is the kit because I just get excited about getting new kit for new trips. Someone's asked yeah. me, um, Bri, Bri, hey, how's it going, Bri? Uh, could you wear the climbing boots on the first part of the trek? To be honest, Bri, you might get away with it because, you know, you've marched in military boots and stuff yeah. like that. But they are very stiff and they are very heavy. So there's no need to put yourself through it if you don't want to. Having a lightweight, flexible hiking boot for the for the approach up to Island Peak Base Camp and then just whapping the, the maintenance boots when you need to put crampons on it is normally fine. Uh, but like I said, you're probably used to trekking in boots that, you know, would reduce the lesser men's feet. And stuff. So um, <laughs> I would say you might be fine. But I know um, I actually did, uh, um, it's a little bit smaller than Island Peak, but I did Ben Nevis, um, not last July, but no, it can't be that long ago. It must have been. Wow. July before. July before, right. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we did the CMD. Was a... Yeah, we did the CMD route. And um, one person that came with us, Roche, had um, some La Sportiva B2 boots on. Yeah. Um, because we were doing the CMD Ridge. She thought they'd be handy, but they chewed, her, yeah, they chewed her feet to ribbon. So she was really yeah. struggling. And 
they also weren't worn in and perhaps they weren't the correct fit. And these are all things that you kind of have to roll the dice on when you're renting boots. Yeah. You know, by having your own that you've had for a while that you know work makes a big difference. And that goes for any peak as well. Yeah, nice. Um, just while we're I'm just spotting a couple of questions, which I'll, I'll hit off the bat, guys. Um, Colin, uh, Colin, nice to see you on, mate. Um, you asked about um, are you guys planning on doing Nak on Kagua trek? Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know where you've been, Colin. We, we <laughs> now we, um, we actually started. I think it was mid lockdown. It must have been back in mid last year. Um, we started offering uh, Aconcagua as a as a trip. Um, and Lauren, our good old Lauren, who's on the um, on the comments there, she's put the link in. So Colin, check it out, mate. We're um, uh, the date. We're kind of thinking of. Um, we have got a date at the end of this year. It, it's looking likely it might have to be pushed. So the first date really uh, is the 11th of January 2022. That's our kind of first um Aconcagua trip we're looking to do so yeah Colin um you know drop us a message or obviously go onto the website and download the guide have a little read of it yeah. um yeah the Aconcagua trip we do is a little bit different um to kind of the I say normal trip but one thing we've seen is you, you can spend a lot of time on Aconcagua there's a lot of peaks around there that look quite nice as well so uh, there's another peak called uh, Valacitos which is in the same area and um, we do some of our climatization on there so we're not just up and down Aconcagua all the time um, there's another peak as well, which off the top of my head, I forgot the name of the peak now, but it's a little, little bit smaller. But it just means that we're having a bit of fun in, in the area as well, um, as yeah. well as on Aconcagua. And we've built in, uh, I think, three summit days. So yeah. it's, it's two spare days, essentially, if it's bad weather or someone in the team struggling, you know, um, you know, because we want to make sure the group's all good. But yeah, if you're keen on doing that, um, you know, it's it's almost 7,000 metres, 6,962 metres. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a serious um, challenge. Um, but Colin, yeah, drop us a message. We'd love to chat to you about it, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Um, Lee Stevenson's after interesting any seven thousand meter peaks in Nepal in the pipeline. To be honest, potentially, but it'll be yeah. a little further down the line. Burunsi is definitely uh, maybe a possibility. Um, so potentially that Burunsi's been on my radar for a little while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll work our way up to it. I mean, ultimately, you know, we've got eight thousand meters on our on our list of things that we want to be able to do but you know we don't just want to like find some guides and run the trip you know we, we yeah everything has to be to like a standard that we've set ourselves and, and and enforce on ourselves so we don't just get you to the top but we get you down safely um that's the most important bit because i really don't want to have to make any awkward telephone calls so um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um nice day yeah, yeah nice 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 just to just to bring the tone better <laughs> <laughs> like the tone down but um yeah uh, uh, just some questions coming in i know obviously we're talking about the peaks and there's a few different um someone's asked around uh sorry killy and i think it was bry and he mentioned um uh obviously you're doing killy in march 2023 uh want to do safari afterwards is there one you would recommend and how many extra days do we need yeah bry um so basically if, if you were to log into your members area and you go to um I think it's the add-on section. You'll be able to view the the safari packages we offer um, because, yeah, mate, they're fantastic and had the pleasure of trekking out in Tanzania a couple of times um, toward the Serengeti. Uh, is a fantastic one. We've got Lake Manyara, uh, which is also a fantastic place. Uh, I'd say Serengeti is like on another level compared to Lake Manyara. And then you've got Ngorongoro Crater. So there's um, those are the kind of regions. If you give that a little Google, you'll be able to see. Yeah. But, um, yeah, certainly. I mean, uh, as you know what we're like, <clears throat> although we we specialize in, in the in the trekking um we want to make sure if there's anything that you want to do around the the, the trekking we can you can facilitate that so yeah check it out um you know if, if you guys want to do a safari afterwards 
uh, even for a couple of days. Um, I mean, because there's a couple, is, is, I think it's the two and a four day. Um, you know, I think the, the longer one is certainly, um, you know, you're going further in to the, the Serengeti. It's a bit more of an adventure. Uh, but again, it depends on on time. Um, but if you guys want to want to do that, then yeah, we'd lo love to have you. Um, yeah, be fantastic. Uh, but yeah, that's... Uh, Ryan uh, Wilkinson has said, yeah. will there be much of a temperature change from the hike to Kilimanjaro to the temperatures head into the peak and how best you prepare your body? There will be a massive temperature change. So yeah. when we left Moshi, so which is where um, the trek to Kilimanjaro begins, it was about 30 degrees. And on the summit, I don't know, minus 15, <laughs> you know, so a huge yes, temperature differential. Um, Killy, you know, it's it's pretty much a given that it's always going to be below zero at some point on the summit, probably for the majority. Um, particularly when we went, it, it never got above zero until we were really lower down back towards um, Barafu camp. Yeah. How you prepare your body for it is by preparing for um, is getting the right clothing for it, to be honest with you. I mean, you'll know yourself whether you run hot, whether you run cold. That'll inform your decisions about what clothes you bring. I always say better to be prepared and carry the weight than, than not. Yeah. Um, most clothing is like super lightweight, super good, and super insulative these days. So if you you don't have to spend, you know, £600 on a down jacket, you can get one that's good enough for Killy for a couple yeah. hundred. Pair that with a good fleece, with a good base layer um you know with good gloves and stuff like that those are all things that you can carry in your rucksack that means that you've got peace of mind if it's too hot take them off if it's if you need them great they're in your rucksack so yeah, yeah just nice. by preparing for that is how we do it like um sensible kit choices and stuff like that um with regards to the body to be honest you kind of just do you just got to <laughs> deal with it um it'll naturally get hot it'll naturally get cold it'll naturally rain yeah. a little bit as well so that's why we always say prepare for four seasons. Um, you know, in your duffel bag, you should have enough kit for a, a desert trek and a polar trek and everything in between, <laughs> you know. Wow. So, uh, <laughs> no, well done, Dave. Um, yeah, I like that one. Uh, Joel has asked, um, EBC question, okay. What's the toughest section of hiking on the trip and how many hours is this part of it? Wow. Yeah, um, toughest part of EBC. It, I know. There's, there's, there's two days that kind of stand out, I, I, I think, personally, um, which is the day number two of the trek, which is from Facting to Namche. <clears throat> always, people always say, oh, God, that was a tough day. And afterwards, they're like, that day, <clears throat> base camp day, are always kind of the two most challenging days. So the reason why I'd say, Mach uh, I'll say Machu Picchu, Namche, on the, <laughs> going up to Namche is probably the toughest, is yeah. because you there's about 800 meters of climbing, and it's probably a first taste <laughs> of altitude or climbing, uh, climbing, um, ascending altitude. Um, so it always surprises a few people. And the last sort of two hours of that is all up. So, yeah, I'd say that's tough, um, you know, but <clears throat> it is what it is. Um, you know, it's got to be done. And, uh, you know, you just slow and steady, take your time. There's no rush up the hill there. Um, you know, we get some people take three, three and a half hours. We get some people do it in two. Honestly, there's no rush um yeah so you take your time there and then i suppose the, the other tough day is base camp day just because of the time um you know you could be hiking for anything between eight to ten hours um you know because you go all the way from say lobuche uh, which is just over four thousand nine hundred meters all the way then you check about three hours to gorekshire have a bit of lunch bike to eat refuel hike to base camp which is another few hours so a couple of hours normally obviously a bit of time at base camp then you've got to get back um, you know, so that's, yeah, it's a challenging day, that one. And I think because it's it's some of the highest trekking that you do, 
uh, on EBC. That's why it's also a hard day. So, yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question a little bit um, when it comes to that, Joel. It's, um, I think, and, um, um, your mind has blocked out Calipatar. Yeah, that's um, fine. <laughs> yeah. To be honest, when I, the first time I did it, I went up Calipatar. I thought Calipatar was <laughs> challenging. But it, it's not. it doesn't have to be that long. But I remember, like, I didn't do it last time I stayed in bed. And I remember you lot went up to the top. And I remember looking back and it was like soldiers coming back from war. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, but, um, the um, is tough. I mean, that section, I mean, because you get up at 4 a.m., uh, you know, a couple of hours up to watch the sunrise and an hour down, essentially. Um, but I think <clears throat> after that, then you're, you're descending. So for me, I, I don't see it as a hard day compared to the other ones because you're on the way up. But yeah, I know what you mean, Dave. Um, yeah, climbing Tupacal is no joke. It's it's tough, especially Calipatar. when you uh, Tupacal. It's because I got all of them. You're right. You're right. Tupacal is no joke. Yeah, up today. Um, clearly, my brain's going nuts. Uh, but yeah, when you're climbing Kalapatar, um, five five four five meters uh, from Gorikshep, which is about five thousand one hundred fifty. So you can imagine two hours to climb all that. Um, but the views are immense. Yeah, especially watching the sunrise and one of the best views you can ever see. Yeah. Um, you know, I always like a good sunrise, clearly. Uh, Killy, Tubkal, um, even Kalapatar, but uh, yeah, yeah. it's uh, even though, uh, sorry, I know we're going on, Joel, but in terms of, of tough toughness, yeah, I mean, I always put it as a gauge. Um, you know, it's, it's all tough in a way, but it's part of the challenge. And you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it, so yeah, yeah, you'd be fine, just take it slow, um, and enjoy yourself. Exactly. I see Doug's joined. Doug Smith is on here. Spud, good to see you on here, mate. Sir Edmund Spuddery again. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I can answer two questions pretty quickly. One, Amanda, okay. you want to go to Pokhara after your trek and you want to go whitewater rafting. Can we help you out? Yes, we can. Drop me an email. Um, so whitewater rafting is really popular in Nepal. Super easy to yeah. arrange. Um, our guys on the ground uh, can help with that. No problem at all. The other one was Mark Heath. Have you got any plans to add a Kilimanjaro trip that incorporates Mount Meru? Um, me and Andy have talked about it. Um, yeah, we have. Actually. Yeah. We have talked about it. It's one of those where, yes, it's it's not hugely popular to do both peaks. Like only a yeah. few people kind of do it, so we haven't put it at the forefront. Um, but if it's something that someone's interested in doing, um, then you can always contact us and discuss it, and we can set it up for you. That's definitely yeah. possible. Um, yeah, I think maybe we might we might set one up. You know, where we add it on as maybe an add-on. So I think it's only a, it's only a few days. It's not like a whole. Four yeah. yeah so we, we yeah. could probably put that as an add-on um yeah it's definitely something that's on our radar and we're looking at doing mm. i keep saying on our radar our radar is blipping like crazy because we've got <laughs> like a thousand things to get on with we've got a lot of different trips um, exactly so that's why we will be finessing all of these trips if there's an add-on that you can't see on the website that you're interested in you know don't don't hesitate to contact us we can always sort it out um but yeah we will be finessing things as we go along but yeah, um, it's one of those where I could have put together the Meru trip, but I had twenty people asking about Aconcagua as well, <laughs> so I had to focus on a little bit over yeah. there. So yeah, definitely nice, Dave. Nice. I'm gonna put Mick out of his misery because he's. I think he asked earlier, and sorry, Mick, we haven't picked it up. Um, but yeah, Mick has asked about skydiving, and yeah, um, we've been speaking to our skydiving yeti. Yeah. Um, because yeah, the skydiving part of it. So it's been, it's been I think it's been about eight years, eight nine years potentially. Since they call it the Everest skydive now, there's a couple of couple of things make you aware, Mick, um, with the skydiving part. So it's usually only in the autumn. Uh, I believe it's the end of October into November, and because the Everest skydive is so high, um, you have to wear breathing equipment. 
uh, and the landing isn't um, isn't near Everest. Essentially, it's in the Everest region. Yeah. Um, it's more near, uh, I'd say, Namche or Shangboche, which is like yeah. a landing strip. Some of you who've been to a base camp already might remember that on your acclimatization hike. Um, and you've got that kind of long landing strip. That's actually an old airport. They don't really use it to land planes, but that's where they land the helicopters now, Shangboche. Um, and yeah, that's where they do the Everest skydive. But because it's so high, uh, because you imagine you're taking off from uh, it's like 3,800 meters. Yeah. And then you go, you're going up very high, almost as, as high as a helicopter can go before you jump. But it is, uh, it's not cheap. Um, the Everest skydive, I, I remember, Dave, was like $25,000 they charge. Round about um, twenty five thousand, yeah. Give yeah. or give or take uh, five or so, but yeah. So it's about twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, so we but can. There's another option, skydiving. right? Yeah, so we can do skydiving for a much more reasonable price, mm. um, but it's done from Pokhara again in the autumn season. Yeah, um, and it's from Pokhara, so you go up and you can see all all over the Annapurna range and stuff like that. Uh, skydiving in the Everest region, just by the nature of the altitude that the helicopter's taken off from, like Andy said, it's 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 extreme altitude. It is oxygen tanks required. You need special instructors that will be able to do this stuff that have to be, um, you know, they have to be like flown in. Um, the helicopter, the fuel, all of that sort of stuff, a huge amount of um, sort of logistics and stuff like that and weather planning goes into it. And yeah, it does. It's very expensive. I'll be honest, Mick, if you've got 25G spare, mate, I will book it for you tomorrow. But just FYI, that's what it costs. And, uh, but if not, then potentially what we can do after you've done your trip um it's only a short flight like half an hour or so to get to pokhara yeah. um and then you can add on and do the skydiving there so you know it means you get to visit pokhara you get to see the annapurna region and you get to do it to be honest you wouldn't be disappointed with it if that's what you wanted to do but i will email you and we can have a further chat about it uh, yeah no it's a lot cheaper isn't it the pokhara region i think it's uh, off the off the top of my head i think it's like 1500 dollars it dave something like that something like that yeah i'll have to double check because yeah, it, 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 changes every, it changes yeah. every year um because the, the like i said with all these logistics that are involved in doing the helicopter yeah. jump there's certain price fluctuations so i wouldn't want to be held to it but yeah, yeah I, that might be roughly, right yeah um there is one good question here from rory um that i actually had a little update on recently so regarding the ebc trek in september you read that you might not be able to transit through the main airport in Kathmandu, and you might have a long bus ride to an alternative airport is this the case to be honest this may be the case it's the poll has actually changed it the way that it thinks about sort of flying to lukla so there's one international airport in the poll tribuvan international airport they also had a domestic terminal which is used by the you know the <laughs> nepalese to fly from Kathmandu to pokhara and other places it's also where um you know like thousands and thousands of people arrive every year to fly to Lukla. So it was yeah. a lot of congestion. Historically, they were, they were doing repairs to the airport. So we had to go to a place called Ramachap, which there's no way of getting around it. It's a long bus ride. Um, it's a little bit bumpy and it can be a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, it's fun. And now, because another area of Nepal has been developed as a result of that, they are now thinking about moving their operations for the Lukla flight yeah. there. Nothing's 100% certain yet. It's a possibility it might happen. Um, but to be honest, to us, it's a small thing. You know, it's um, you've already flown thousands and thousands of miles. You've already spent mm -hmm. hours and hours and hours on cold mountains, a bumpy ride to get to an airport so you can visit Everest Base Camp and see the highest mountain on Earth. It's a small price to pay. So however we get there logistically, whether we go via Ramajap or direct from Kathmandu, 
Um, our main goal and our main focus has always been on getting you to base camp and getting you back. So if that means yeah. a long long bus drive, then yeah, it is what it is. It's a long yeah. event. Yeah. Exactly, Dave. I think I think we're we're beholden by uh, unfortunately by um, the way um, it works in Nepal, which is unfortunately we can't control the how they operate the um, the airport anymore. I mean, it's it's certainly frustrating, but I know every every company's in the same boat now. So it's um, unfortunately, you know, with regards yeah. to moving, and it, it's still it's still a question mark at the moment because they haven't said, "Yep, you're 100 percent going from there." Um, you know, they've basically said to us sort of wait and see essentially um but it means as dave said you know it's all part of the adventure um you know it is it having done it a couple of times a trip to ramachat yeah um you know it, yeah certainly it's a long way um i, I kind of see it quite nice because you're kind of seeing um or you know although you're in the minibus essentially you're seeing part of the, the country you wouldn't normally get to see yeah um you know and and and, and stopping at the places you would never see and um it's quite nice because you, you're kind of driving horizontally you could say imagine you've got a line of the himalayas which are all the peaks and then the, ro the road essentially goes all the way along so if you look to your left and it's decent weather you'll be able to see um you know the himalayas like I, I gotta be honest the first time i saw that i was like wow this is cool yeah. um but you can't get around it you know it is um has bumpy roads adventure travel um you know is part of the journey and yeah if, if it comes to it we have to do that uh, obviously we'll communicate that out to the people who are going to be on those trips and say look guys exactly. Um, they've moved us to this airport now. Obviously, we'll, we're going to have to do that. And, um, uh, not to worry. We'll we'll make it a, as limited an impact as we potentially can. I mean, we've done this before um, when they were doing renovations on the airport. And now, that, as they've said, now they're like, oh, wow, it worked. Um, and it also, yeah. I think the reason, that, a big reason why the Nepalese government are choosing to do it is potentially because it brought a lot of um, income to that part of the Nepal. Yeah. Normally wouldn't. Um, so clearly they were happy with that. Um, but if we can get you from Kathmandu, we will. If not, yeah. it'll be from Ramachat. It also it relieves a lot of the human traffic going to Kathmandu every day. The domestic planes taking off yeah. every 20 minutes, you know, causes the international flights to have to adjust their path. Mm -hmm. So me and Andy have been sit circling Kathmandu Airport for around an hour and a half one time before <laughs> we landed. And we were about um, half an hour away from going to India for a little bit. And then coming <laughs> yeah, back. Yeah, they run out of fuel, right? <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah. luckily we made it. So... The other thing it should be said is, although logistically it's a bigger operation for us to get people to Ramachat, yeah. you know, we have to get drivers, minibuses, extra accommodation and all of that sort of stuff. It's worth it in the end because the flight from Ramachat is about half as long as from Kathmandu. So yeah. it means that when we get a weather opening, if there is clouds at Lukla, we have a much um, you know, less time. Well, I mean, we, we have less time to travel. So it means that we can make a dash for Lukla and get there a lot quicker, where yeah. occasionally what happens from Kathmandu, because it's about a 40-minute flight as opposed to about a 25-minute flight, is, um, yeah, weather might come in and you might have to turn around and stuff like that. So it does actually make it a little bit easier to get to Lukla. Um, nice. So yeah, every cloud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, just seeing uh, some comments around some of the peaks as well. Um, obviously, we've uh, if you joined us last week, um, something new um, that we do is you know what the future look like which which dave talks about some of the new peaks and last week uh we talked about uh, ecuador which is we've got a new trip there yeah um, it's almost ready to release and we've got a couple more in south america um you know as well as another um uh, basically trip in uh, langtang region of nepal yeah. uh, which is also incorporates a little climbing of yala peak yeah. uh, which is about five and a half thousand meters and that's coming soon but yeah i can see some people are asking obviously again around mont blanc 
uh, some of the other trips. And yeah, um, when it comes to the other trips, as Dave said, because we've got so many different trips um, and because of the, the last 12 months that we haven't really been able to test any of these, we don't want to release them yet. Um, Mont Blanc is certainly one we're looking at. Don't you worry about that. Uh, Mount Elbrus, um, there's, you know, there's plenty of, of scope for that. Um, anywhere there is high altitude, that is, is awesome to trek at and it's a great trip. I mean, we'll eventually be doing it, that's for sure. Um, yeah. It's just about rolling these things out. And, and yeah, um, I think when lockdown ends, people are just going to be on holidays forever. Um, that would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, be climbing mountains all the time. But look, um, yeah, we can't wait, guys, to, to get, uh, you know, some more trips. Um, in another few weeks, we'll, we'll share uh, a bit more about, because those trips will be a bit further along. I think Dave will be able to give you a little bit more information, but uh, yeah, yeah, just uh, yeah, be patient with some of the trips, um, especially with with Mont Blanc, uh, Mount Elbrus, um, you know, and and another trip which isn't necessarily a peak. I know we're talking about peaks today, but um, uh, K two Base Camp is is on the agenda, which is a, an awesome trip. Yeah, and, uh, personally, I can't wait to to do that one. Yeah, K two um, Base Camp you know, is like way up there on mine. You know, I mean, just the adventure of getting there is insane you know like going to skadu and all those local yeah. um, sort of really remote areas and stuff <clears throat> yeah it's going to be an amazing trip but yeah like andy said as soon as we're able to sort of catch yeah. a flight and do things properly and stuff like that that we'll be able to get things done but um yeah pretty much anytime someone says what about this what about this what about this trust me they're all on there <laughs> you know, it's just exactly. uh, yeah trying to, try to get them done is um is one of those um exactly. have a quick look so interesting one here from sheldon um, okay. um who's emailed hey, and said um hey andy i previously suffered altitude sickness on my first ebc trek and okay. i'm very disappointed that i did not get to base camp as i was blown out and spent 10 days in hospital wow, wow. if i attempt ebc again how likely am I, am I to get altitude sickness and what can i do to prevent it so good question wow first of all i think that's that's rather unusual i think even if you get altitude sickness to spend mm. 10 days in hospital so you really must have had um a rough time with it uh, yeah. what i would say is that if you've not got any pre-existing condition that's going to sort of predispose you to to sort of uh, having trouble in a low oxygen environment some people have like copd perhaps or um maybe like really really extreme asthma um or like you know some certain things like that might might cause a problem um if you're otherwise normal and healthy I think, yes, you can go back to an attempt Everest base camp again. Yeah. Um, for instance, um, I'll give you an example. My father, although he didn't end up in hospital, uh, we went in 2017, um, uh, me, Andy, and my dad, and a few other people. And yeah. My dad was suffering from altitude pretty much from the get-go, definitely from Nampshi onwards. He just felt mm -hmm. like he wasn't really adjusting well, wasn't acclimatizing well, was going slow even by his standards. Um, and he got to Lobouche and then turned around, you know, didn't did, decided to not go to base camp and walk down. Um, so I've seen and witnessed firsthand the disappointment that can have on people. Um, and then we went back later again in 2019 and he made Everest base camp. Yeah. Um, and he said the difference was not, he didn't just scrape by and make it. The difference was, this is impossible to actually, that was quite fun. <laughs> you know, it was like, and the difference he made first of all was in his fitness. So he shed some pounds he got himself a bit fitter and a bit stronger. Um, second, um, he took Diamox um, to help him acclimatize, which he hadn't taken yeah. the first time around. That could make a big difference. Um, and then he drank more, which was also <laughs> important, more water, like four to five liters a day. Um, and yeah, and that time he just did it. 
our trips are designed to acclimatize you on the way up. So we have two acclimatization days, all of your food's included. Our guides are the best, the water's purified. You you have unlimited access to drinking water and stuff like that. So I think if you want to do it again, you can. Yeah. And I think maybe by making a few adjustments and knowing a little bit more about your trip, we can definitely make sure that we can get you there. Yeah, nice, Dave. Uh, yeah, you said some good points there. I think, you know what, Sheldon, I, I, I know it came by email. I hope he's watching um, or will watch it at some point. But yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to, to help you, um, you know, especially if you struggled last time. Um, as me and Dave always talk, you know, anytime you go to altitudes, the first time essentially, because you've got to go through the same acclimatization process all the time. Okay, you can you can have an altitude tent, you pre-acclimatize, which some people do when they're climbing 8,000 meter peak. But essentially, if you, um, you you take your time, you look after yourself, drink plenty of water, you know, you have that 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 strong mindset that you want to get there. Obviously, it seems like you had some complications, but you know what? I'd love to have a chat with you and and see what we can do because, you know. It, I, I think if, if you've got that um, desire that you, okay, you didn't do it last time and, and, and that's still lingering, uh, you know, I want to, I want to help you do that because that, that'd be fantastic. So yeah, drop us a, drop us an email or, you know, it'd be great to get on a call with you and, um, yeah. you know, we can see what we can do to, to make it happen. You know, we're not a no, uh, we're not a no company. Uh, we're a yes company. So anything that you want to do, um, we'll, we'll help you and make it happen, mate. Yep. Exactly. Uh, Jerome, uh, that's how old my old man was. Attempt one, I think fifty-nine. Attempt two, sixty-one. I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, sixties basically. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm just looking. All you did, Dave, was mention K two, and uh, now it's destroyed our comments. I think everyone wants to do K two. K two base camp. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fine, I'll write it down. The cogs are in motion, guys. Uh, it's uh, it's not long. It's not long at all. Um, but yeah, just uh, loads of good questions coming in today. And I know we, we always pick a subject and we talk about it and we always get sidetracked. But um, just to finish off some of the peak stuff, um, Dave, because I know we're, we're 45 minutes already. Wow. Um, I know we talked a lot about Island Peak, a little bit about some of the others. But um, Mera Peak uh, kind of doesn't get talked about as much as, as Island Peak. Um, and again, just what we're talking about this, guys, any questions, drop them in the comments, yeah? Yeah. Um, so we can pick up. And with Mera Peak, 6476 meters, the highest trekking peak in the pool. Um, and I I tend to say easier than Island Peak. Would you would you agree with that statement? Um, I would say technically easier. Hmm. Um, it, it doesn't have any of the ladder crossings and things like that. So it's a higher altitude technically easier because again those ladder crossings and the walls and stuff that you have to go up yeah. are not there um but it is the highest trekking peak in the port so it's got yeah. that level of prestige um it is it, it's technically in the sagamatha region of nepal but essentially when you arrive in lukla you go one way up to the everest base camp trail or you go the other way um yeah. to go to mera so technically you're moving away from the classic ebc track um and go into a um a lesser traveled area still you know popular but you know certainly not as many people as the everest region and yeah and mera is um excuse me my, my throat is so dry and i haven't got a drink yeah but mera is um yeah an awesome Maybe you uh, should try the unlimited coffee that i got here. i know yeah that's the problem it's like <clears throat> you know i've been talking for about five minutes now and i've been like right hold it in yeah, so Mera is, um, yeah, it's an awesome one. Like I said, it is the highest, so it does draw its own sort of level of appeal. Probably about half the amount of people that book on for Island Peak uh, book on for Mera. Um, so it is going to be, you know, less people and less crowded. But, yeah, still one 
awesome, awesome peak. The great thing yeah. about it is that you can kind of, once you like, you if you want to like, knock off these six thousand meter peaks in Nepal, they're yeah. largely the same, you know, like equipment wise and training wise. Oh, magical! See, Dave, look at that, the power of taxi. <laughs> I know, yeah, look He's at got that. His water. It's like magic. It's like on a trek, Dave. You know that water isn't far away. <laughs> oh, lovely! Yeah, <laughs> I just saw some comments. Sorry, Dave. I know you were uh, as you're drinking there. Um, everyone's like, "Don't ask Davis dad's age." You always get it wrong. Uh, they know you well. <laughs> um, I honestly, I still, I'm not a hundred percent sure when his birthday is. Like, it's probably terrible to say, but I think it's yeah. the 17th of January because I know that his date of birth is remembered because it's 1701, which I think is the same number on the Starship Enterprise. Which is a weird way to remember his date of birth, but I think that's it. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I think that I can't, can't remember that. Usually I, I remember that kind of stuff, but uh, yeah, great stuff. Um, yeah, a couple of questions I can see coming in as well, um, just around heights, uh, Merinorf, Essentia, uh, essentially. Um, how fit do you need to be for Island Peak? Yeah, it's it's one of those that, um, and that's from Hannah. Um, I'll bring I'll bring that on screen, actually, Hannah. Um, let's have a little look. Uh, thanks for, for joining us on the live. Yeah, so in terms of fitness for, for Island Peak, um, you know, we would say that, yeah, 100%, you want to have a good level of fitness. Um, it's not essential, as in, you know, you need to be a triathlete or marathon runner. Um, we always talk about this, is, you know, uh, the, the, the muscle between your ears is the, is the one you want to exercise the most and get, get in the right place. And if you want to climb uh, Island Peak, you know, we'd, we'd love to help you on that journey. Um, and when it comes to fitness you know the more you do so you know if you're getting out a couple of times a week or you know if you're into your running or you know i can see a profile picture there i think yeah you're good skiing love it um uh, you know if you've got a base level of fitness then you know you'll, you'll be fine essentially it's not you haven't got to go up there quick it's quite a slow process um i don't know if jim's on here um, who was on our uh, one of our last um trips that we did uh, when we were able to run trips um he'll tell you you know in terms of uh, probably the the level that's required but you know the fitter you are the easier it will be and you'll have a better time yeah. you could probably you could probably get away with it you know if you didn't do as much training but we you know it's not something we'd say but um you know the more you do you just yeah you you, you don't leave it to chance you know um i mean exactly. before before we set up evertrek I, I mean um you know i i did Everest base camp without hardly any training essentially i used to surf um you know which was cool and had a good good bit of fitness in that but it's different um you know building up the leg strength makes a hell of a difference that's one thing we learned yeah um so we'd say certainly do that and if that's biking if that's doing some single leg movements in the gym when they open um or even just just the, the simple stuff get out pack on your back put the miles in the legs and um you know what they'll, they'll pay dividends when you're on on the track so uh, and when you're climbing uh, because it's super slow anyway, but important thing is, is acclimatizing well. So drinking plenty of water, going slow, listening to your guide and, um, you know, following that process. And yeah, you, 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 I'm sure, you know, all fingers crossed, um, you'll summit Island peak. So yeah, I hope that answers your question, Anna. Awesome. Um, I heard one, uh, Andrew Scott raised an interesting question, which is worth mentioning. Okay. One yeah. year ago, you had to pack in at Low Boucher. Commiserations. Um, I've seen yeah. that happen. Like I said, the old man. The guide insisted on a heli ride, but it was not too oh, wow. bad. And he wanted to walk down, but the guide insisted, cost a fortune. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, that um, that's never going to happen with one of our trips. I can guarantee yeah. you that. A guide will, they're there to guide you, <laughs> not force you to do anything. If a guide feels that it's life and death, then a decision will be made to, to like save your life 
that's incredibly rare. In fact, it's not happened with us. Yeah. Um, if you're able to walk under your own two feet, that's always going to be their preferred option. Yeah. Um, we also have a really good relationship with one of the airlines over there that um, runs the helicopters in the region. Yeah. So we don't have to go via any third parties. We don't have to go, you know, buy people that make a markup on it. We go direct to the airline and we get the helicopter direct. There's no third party. There's no middleman. There's no one. Um, there's no possible opening for anyone to exploit the cost of the helicopter. Um, yeah. So I think, is it still a problem? I don't know. Definitely, definitely a lot less of a problem than it was, say, a decade yeah. ago, um, which is probably when it was happening a lot. Um, now you hear about it a lot less and tour operators are being held to account. Yeah. Um, I can guarantee you that it won't happen on, on any of our trips. I mean, you may still need a helicopter, um, but trust me, yeah. it'll be a case of if you have a helicopter on one of our trips, it'll be because you want one or the guide is trying to save your life. <laughs> you know, yeah, never exactly. actually be forced to get in one if you're still fit enough and able enough to walk. Yeah, um, yeah, nice, Dave. I, I, I think just to add on that as well, you know, as Dave said, there, it's it's something that doesn't happen as much nowadays, thankfully. Um, you know, but we've seen it on on trips. Um, you know, other people getting rushed off in a helicopter because, yeah, you know, one of the guys, obviously, luckily not our guys, but you know, have a bit of a backhander essentially for for doing that. Um, and it's, you know, I'd say more about 18 months ago, there was a bit more press around it, about negative press, especially in the UK media. Um, you know, it's brought it to the, the fore, if you like. And um, yeah, I mean, we always, obviously, we're, we're a professional trekking company. Um, you know, we we don't make anything off helicopter rides. We, we, no. They are like taxis out there, um, uh, essentially, uh, when we, when you're out there. So it's not like they're, they're sort of go, it's not like buses. Yeah. Um, you know, so you kind of get them when you need them. But if, yeah, I'd, I'd love to make it happen for you, though, Andrew. You know, if you want to go back out there, mate, and it's on, it's on, you know, it's in the back of your mind. Yeah. Um. You know, you we'd love to have you join us. Uh, you know, if you if again, if you want to try, climb Lobuche or one of the other peaks. Um. You know, Lobuche is a great region. I bet from the summit there, you got a great view of Everest. That's for sure. Um, I think. No, I think he was on EBC Trek. Oh, I see. Sorry. I mean, Sorry, I've, assumed that, I've assumed that there's a 50, there's a 50, 50 chance he might be on the peak. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, to be honest, it is either way, yeah. you're very close to base camp. You know, the difference very between close, yeah. and base camp is not a huge altitude. It's quite hard work, but the altitude differential is not massive. It's a few hundred meters. So I yeah. think I've, I've often believed that if you can get to Lobuchet, you can get to base camp. You yes. just need to, if that's where you stopped at Lobuchet, a couple of adjustments um maybe in acclimatization maybe in preparation and things like that and yeah. and you and you would have done it so like andy said we there's a couple of people on here that i think have been like almost there and i think get yeah, in touch with us if it's still on if it's still in your mind to do it and you still have that drive and hopefully it is if you're watching this then um we can make it happen because one thing we love to do is to take people that perhaps have tried and not made it before and then give them the extra support, give them what they need in order to get up there. Um, because yeah, it'll change your life forever. Yeah, it does. It does. And I, I you know, I, we've been there, you know, um, even though we've got to Everest base camp, summit Achilles, there's, there's been things that potentially, um, you know, we're thinking, oh, I really want to do that. And it didn't quite work out. And that itch is still there. Um, you know, I remember when I, I sort of went, went traveling to, to New Zealand um, and it was towards the end of my backpacking life. So I couldn't afford to do, the stuff I kind of wanted to do there and that itch has been there ever since like I want to go back and I want to do all the fun stuff that I can afford to do um I know it's like to have an itch that you just got to get done um yeah. 
as Dave said, then it, it is interesting. A couple of people today that have said that. And, um, if anyone's like that, and you know, we want to make it happen because then I, I, I want to have a chat with you afterwards. Um, uh, you know, and how what what was the difference? Uh, because I'd love to share that with the rest of our group, yeah. um, and obviously us as well. Because you know, we're we're like you guys. We're we're trekkers and climbers, and we want to we want to learn from from everyone else doing it, just as we learn when we do it. Um, yeah. And then we can pass on those those thoughts and what was the difference? What was the five percent that made a difference? For and we can share that with the wider world. And yeah, yeah. So definitely drop us a message, guys. And um, you know, we want to um, yeah make that happen for you. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, James Ashley said uh, Mount Kenya. Um, nice. That'd be a good yeah, awesome summit. Um, we'd love to do it. To be honest, I we often go back through these comments and if we've uh, you know not been having something at the forefront yeah. of our mind, that'll do it. I mean. I wish that I could like, you know, see what Evertrack's going to be like in 10 years because all of these things, I'm wondering what's going to be coming because we are going to do K2 base camp. Um, you know, we are going to do other high peaks around the world. So I think yeah. it's going to be like Denali, I think is one that we really want to go to. Um, you know, Katen's Pyramid, I think is one on there. You know, there's loads of these. I mean, to be honest, we'd love to do all seven summits and then every summit that surrounds the seven summits. <laughs> yeah, you've uh, you've got you've got to strike a balance. Um, you know, we we're always conscious of of having um, you know the trips that people want to go on. Um, you know, and, and eventually we'll we'll have uh, you know a full um, sort of catalogue you could call it, I suppose, of of all the high altitude trips in the world. Um, you know, we're on a journey as well. Uh, it's almost our five year anniversary since uh, I booked in Dave, who was customer zero um almost five years i think in a couple of weeks which is crazy how the journey's been but well, it's funny we um, were, um yeah, yeah we were looking at the uh facebook messages yeah so, yeah. Um, yeah this is like pre pre evertrek when andy just come back from his trip yeah and um i saw that he was out there on facebook and it actually reminded me you know that wow like uh, the, the questions i asked uh exactly the ones that we're still answering today almost exactly and it just it does bring to mind that you know like also one you know what how my life has changed since that first message you know and i wonder what it might do for other people as well i mean like i've got the first message i'm going to find it because i think it's quite nice to read out okay so it, it says um Hi, mate. Well done on your trek to Everest Base Camp. This was on 17th of February, 2016. Yeah, yeah. And I said, uh, well done on your Everest Base Camp. I was wondering if you could give me a bit of info on what I need to do. Always been a goal of mine. Just like to get a head start um, on what equipment I need, what costs are involved. Cheers, mate. Hoping to go this year. And it's amazing. And it's just like, Wow. And then look, having, you know, yeah. talking about porters, these are all here. We might have to publish them because these are all me. Yeah, we've got look, look at the reply I got. And he's always <laughs> I'm going to give the information. Well, we want to make sure you got all the information. And that was customer zero as well as customer four, five thousand, wherever one of them. Yeah, but exactly. Right yeah. Um, but no, it goes without saying that, you know, that's what we're here for, guys. Uh, whether answering the first question I ever Trek had or the questions that continue. Um, if we can help you on your journey and uh, especially, I mean, for the people who, who weren't able to make it before, um, if there's one question that could tip it in the balance for you and could be the reason between getting a base camp or climbing Kili or getting a Machu Picchu, climbing Tubkal, Aconcagua, K2 base camp, we run it, any of those. And that's what we're here for, you know, um, that's 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 why we exist. Um, obviously, you know, we're, we're a business, but we 
love what we do and we hopefully that you know our, our passion comes across and we want to help you guys that's what we're here for um you know and yeah we're excited to make that happen yeah it's always uh always weird looking back at that it kind of makes me a bit yeah. emotional so, you know, said um <laughs> you asking someone else about kit i don't believe it show honestly this is, uh, this, is all the acquired, this is all acquired knowledge that i've had in the last sort of five years i mean i was a trekker before and a climber before but mainly in the uk and like a lot of you guys you know you don't know what you don't know I'd never been to the Himalaya. I'd never been to altitude before. I've never even gone on a skiing holiday. I, I no word of a lie. The highest <laughs> I ever got <laughs> with my feet on the ground was Snowdon. That was it. That was all the altitude yeah. training I did. And um, yeah, so I didn't know, like, do I need a special jacket? You know, what type of boots do I need? You know, like, do I need a special hat? <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> um, it, it's crazy. And to, to think that, and once I did that first trip and it's informed other trips and other trips and other trips, and I've, I've kept going sort of year after year and doing the same thing because yeah. I love it. And um, I've got it down to like a fine art now. Like, you know, when people say 15 kilos isn't enough, very proud that I can pack everything I need um, and get it to around 15 exactly. With yeah, eight I mean, kilos in your pocket, right? <laughs> he's not wrong <laughs> but, but we're talking about the bags here and what are you getting in my bag yeah, that's, that's right <laughs> brilliant um sorry a couple of questions uh, especially one from doug yes to carl can't wait mate um uh, how cold the summit could be in the height of winter so yes great question mount tube carl so winter essentially is is in Mount Tubkal in Morocco in the Atlas Mountains. Um, and Tubkal is 4167 meters, uh, you know, so significant altitude. And uh, typically they'll, they have a lot of snow there. Um, even parts of it you can ski. And from the end of November, right the way through, I think, to the end of February, uh, it's quite decent snow cover. You, you know, it does change uh, as always. You know, weather's not an exact science. But temperature wise, yeah, it can get down to about sort of minus 10, um, you know, especially if it's windy. Um, so again, uh, as always, I mean, Doug, obviously we've been, um, in, uh, Killy where it was really cold. I think if you had similar gear, it'd be fine. Obviously with, um, crampons, ice axe, uh, you know, winter skills, uh, is, is useful. Um, and Doug, I know you've, you've done some in Scotland. Uh, can't wait to do some, um, weekends up in Scotland. Um, but yeah, so certainly when it comes to, to Tubcal, uh, yeah, it's damn cold. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hundred percent, you know, insulated gloves, um, you want to make sure you got some decent base layers. I'm wearing a um, base layer today, finally. Um, but yeah, it's uh, can't wait to do Tubecal. I see a lot of people are saying ciao, bye bye. It's good, literally, it's on the hour, Dave. That's where well, it is. Yeah, that, that is pretty impressive, to be honest. <laughs> it is one of the longest. Yeah, typical. Um, yeah, we talk about peaks and stuff. But no, no. I, I suppose we're coming to the end of the live anyway. Um, it's been really good today. It's great to hear some stories. Some people who haven't made it quite made it before. I want to change that. Um, learning about the peaks, um, you know, equipment. A couple of things before everyone sort of disappears. Um, don't forget that we're running a, a competition at the moment, which is uh, around Kilimanjaro. It's two free places, Kilimanjaro. Get yourself in if you haven't already. I, I know heaps of you on here are already customers. Some of you um, haven't, um, uh, not customers of ours yet and not ever trackers, but we'd love to have you part of the, the family. Uh, but get yourself entered if you haven't. Um, Lauren, who's on the live, hopefully, uh, yeah. drop in the comments just the link for that, um, just so anyone off the live as well can get access to that. Um, and get yourself in, and we'll be uh, announcing the winner on the 23rd of March, I believe. Um, and, yeah, got some got some exciting stuff for that. Obviously, going back to the beginning of the call, 
um, beginning of the uh, tune in. We'll, we'll talk about the app. Um, and as I mentioned, then, uh, if you've seen that on the group, uh, we'll be rolling that out as soon as we can uh, on all the trips. Um, you know, it might take a few weeks, but we'll try and do it as soon as we can because we realize that, uh, yeah, everyone wants it now. <laughs> uh, you know, we wanted to get it all done for um, Everest Base Camp because that was, you know, that's, that's a big part of our, um, you know, uh, customer list, if you like. Uh, but obviously, Killy as well, all the other trips that we've got, guys, uh, we'll roll out as soon as we can. Um, but Dave, right, any 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 final words, mate, before we... Uh, no, uh, James said his bag for um, Island Peak was eight kilograms. Mate, impressive. Wow. I've never got it down that low. That is awesome work. You're going to need to tell me. I, I'm afraid you're going to have to send me a kit list because I need to know exactly what you bought to get it down to that list. Other than that, no, it's great. I always feel like when we end these lives, like that, there's so much more that we could talk about with the peaks and stuff like that. But any questions, just drop us an email. Happy to have a chat anytime. Yeah, nice. Okay, guys. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks, everyone. We'll see you. Uh, well, we'll catch you next Tuesday. Um, but anything in the interim, obviously, don't be afraid. Just drop us a message in the group. Um, and yeah, we'll get back to you. And uh, yeah, just before I go, uh, I know Shona, I know Karen. Yeah, we'll be getting out as soon as we can. Uh, won't be long, love. <laughs> uh, all right. Take it easy, guys. Cheers. Bye. Awesome. So I hope you enjoyed the uh, another episode of the Mountain Malarkey podcast. Um, yeah, that was something a little bit different, wasn't it, from the Tuesday tune in? But I hope yeah. you enjoyed it. I must say, you were brilliant on that episode, Ant. <laughs> 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 thanks mate thanks now if, uh, if you've enjoyed it don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe to the podcast um, you know all these uh, podcasts we put together the episodes trying to reach as many people as possible and if it's helped you leave us a lovely review um, and yeah we'll see you again next week yeah all the best guys bye <laughs>